Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Pink Bike Podcast with me, Mike Levy, your host for most of these things. So this pink show is a little different. I sat down for a chat with current world tour racer, ultra cyclist wild man, and new mountain biker, Lachlan Morton. Now, Lachlan isn't someone that you usually see on Pink Bike's homepage. He lives mostly in the curly bar world and races for EF Education Easy Post. But a lot of his achievements have transcended whatever type of bike he happens to be riding during whatever crazy adventure he's on. Now, we do eventually talk about mountain biking later in the podcast, I swear, but we also talk about what it takes to race on the world tour and how that level can bring out the worst in some people, almost walking away from it all, his thereabouts adventures in Colombia and around the world, and his recent alt tour that saw him beat the Tour de France Peloton while riding the entire route unsupported, including transfer stages. Lachlan, I'm not sure how many Pinkers are going to be familiar with your world tour racing, but this is my show and I'm interested in that. So that's where I want to start things off. Let's go back. 20-year-old Lachlan, you've been racing on a world tour team, Garmin, Garmin Sharp world tour team. I imagine that had been your dream for, I mean, a long time. You've been racing towards that. You've been working your ass off for that forever. But from what I've read, it also... I gather it didn't feel like that after three years. I don't want to be super serious right off the bat, but can you take me back and tell me what was your mindset at that time? Yeah, what were you thinking? What were you going through? Yeah, I guess um, from when I was like 10 years old, um, that was like my only goal in life was to become a professional road cyclist. And I achieved it like pretty young and moved my whole life to Europe and basically found myself like in Spain, other side of the world from everyone I knew. And like all my self-worth, I guess, was tied to how well I raced, which like, I mean, at the time it was enabling me to like perform well. Um, But then when things didn't go well, I would kind of find myself like really, you know, severely unhappy. So... I um, I realized like I had to make like a a change in my life to basically get more balanced in some way. Um, initially, I thought that was going to be just like leaving leaving cycling behind um, and kind of moving on to something new. But I basically was able over the course of like three years, I was able to like change my relationship with with bikes um to where like I, I love it more than ever you know the more i do now like the more i love it so yeah it was definitely like a intense period of my life but um it's a period i'm very glad i kind of went through like so young um and was able to like re you know retrace my path or like redirect my path into what now I feel like is um, just like the ideal middle ground between competition and just like enjoying my bike. Yeah. I feel like whenever you're working that hard at something for that long, like to be like a, a world tour racer is, 
it takes an insane amount of work. We'll, we'll talk about that stuff, but when you're working that hard, you're putting that much of yourself into something. I feel like you can become that something, right? Like you feel like you are that something. So then when you're like, oh, wait, I kind of don't want to do this, you know, that's, that could be a confusing feeling, I imagine. Yeah, totally. Um, like I'm lucky in that, like, I feel like I had some good reference points in like people, like family and friends who like could kind of keep me in check, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. Because as you said, like when you're um, in like the the world tour environment, like the degree of like obsessiveness and like selfishness is kind of celebrated, you know, because like it's, it's not it's not a requirement but for a, a lot of people it's a requirement to be successful like at, at that level so yeah i think i was lucky in that like i had people in my life who could kind of pull me up a bit and also like i think like my feelings were um intense enough to where they kind of it didn't seem like there was much of a choice <laughs> otherwise yeah. like i knew you I had, had to, to you had to leave out of it for a bit yeah yeah and that's more i think it's just more a reflection of my personality and the way i go about things generally is like i can go down the rabbit hole pretty pretty quick yeah. um and like i said like until the point like up until that point it had served me really well because i was like you know, I'd wake up at 4.30 every morning all through high school and ride my bike for three hours before I went to school and, like, do all this stuff that now I know is just, like, crazy. Yeah. But that's, I guess, what enabled me to get to that level. Um, and then it's also what kind of caused me to, like, fall apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In a big yeah. Way. It's a slippery slope, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think, like... The top level of any sport, I think what's fascinating about it is like you see performances that are just like unreal, you know, like it's really just like this, like almost superhuman like contest, but that requires like a huge amount of any individual, right? Um, And there's some individuals who can deal with that pressure and, and can like, you know, get on that grind like for 20 years and have you know absolutely no ill effect on their their life um yeah but i wasn't one of those people (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know whether it's unfortunate or fortunate but i'm just not one of those people (laughs) yeah yeah can we go back you mentioned things like getting up at 4 30 in the morning and stuff let's let's go back to your time in europe and just for mountain bikers that aren't maybe don't have an idea of what it's like to live and train like a world tour pro. Yeah. What, how many hours a week are you on your bike? First off. Yeah. uh, Nowadays I'm generally on my bike for 30 hours a week. Um, Were you on your bike for more back in those Garmin days? uh, Probably a similar amount, but it was very structured. Whereas now like I kind of just get out my bike and like, because I love it, I end up spending way more time out there. But back then it was very like rigid, structured. So every hour you'd have some sort of like interval or something to do with like a power meter 
and like you know all your metrics like your weight your food like all that stuff is very important so the training regimen is is extreme but it's not like it's nothing i can't deal with but you race anywhere from like 70 to 85 days a year dude when Uh, do you take a break take a chill pill yeah right and then (laughs) there's obviously a lot of travel around that because that's just the race day so like yeah you spend a lot of time on the road like racing and trying to perform at like a high level so it's a it's a big job for sure uh and then on top of that there's like all the like anti-doping requirements so like you know you've got to fill out a whereabouts so then you can get drug tested once a day and then like i mean there's just like an endless it's a full-time job it's like more even than a full-time job Lachlan. it's crazy yeah and like the annoying stuff was like you know like resting is part of your job it's it's not like you can just go and train for four hours and be like sweet i'm done like let's go and like catch up go with for a walk with and, your family no yeah it's like no 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 like keep your feet up um like you've got another session tomorrow like that that aspect of it is what i found the most challenging um because i'm happy to go out and like suffer away my bike for five hours like if that's all it was like that would be not easy but you know it'd be totally bearable but it's kind of everything around it it's intense and then every time you show up to a race like uh you're, you're being paid to like perform a certain way you know uh, mm-hmm. so you have like a job to do and there's an element of pressure that goes with that every single time so if things aren't going well and you get sick or like these things like spiral pretty quick and it's very cutthroat you know like there's a lot of guys who have one bad season after four great ones and then that's the end of their career you know um, yeah so to also have that like hanging over your head in a lot of ways um it's pretty intense <laughs> i find it interesting you mentioned when you're on your bike it sounds like just as much as you were back when you were 20 but yeah. Am I right in saying that maybe there's like less obligation to do those structured things now? Does that take some of the weight away? Makes it more fun. Yeah. 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 I like, I no longer have a coach. Um, I don't have like a power meter or I don't use. You never ride with a power meter that. anymore? No. Um, Dude, I feel stupid. I can't even yeah. roll down my driveway without using a power meter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, I'm not like uh, judgmental of people who do. I just yeah. like, I know, I know myself well enough to be like, I don't need that on my bike, you know? Um, not, not because I'm like, I just like, I know that if I have it on there, that's something I'll look at and like, it'll detract from my experience in like a, yeah. in a negative way. So now like majority of my training just made up by like places I want to go. <laughs> so I think that's I not a bad think, strategy. <laughs> yeah. I basically right? just wake up and I'm thinking like, what? what area I think would be cool or what way I could loop a certain ride. Um, and that's basically what my training ends up being. Sometimes it's like three hours long. Sometimes it's like eight or nine hours, you know, it's just yeah. like, yeah. which works for me physically because I think it works for me mentally, you know? Um, right. I think like I've had a lot of good coaches. I've had a lot of bad coaches, <laughs> um, but it doesn't seem to matter. I just like the second I get to 
structured with training. Um, I just mentally not fall apart. I just don't enjoy the riding as much, which negatively impacts like my performance at the end of the day. I think you got to want to do it, man. Like if you don't want to do it, then you're not going to yeah, do it exactly. the best you could do it. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, for me, like racing is such a small part of like the way I experience bikes now, yeah. um, that like, I don't want to give up everything else I enjoy about it just to try and like perform in this one element of, mm-hmm. of bikes, you know, um, yeah. I'd rather like, if I have to sacrifice some, uh, performance to be like, okay, I can ride my mountain bike six days a week. <laughs> like then that's something that I'll do every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How would today's Lachlan compare with that 20 year old Lachlan on the world tour team? Just out of curiosity. Cause it sounds like you're in a better place, like mentally, you know, more positive. Yeah. Uh, I think like, oh, I'm a much, uh, better person than I was then. Yeah. I'm still not like the best person. <laughs> you know? well, pro cyclists, man. Like... I've known lots of pro cyclists and you got to be a savage to be a pro cyclist. Like you mentioned it earlier, you got to be selfish as fuck to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I, I was very selfish and like, I think if I met like the 20 year old me, I'd probably think he was a dickhead, <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, which is fine. Um, yeah. I think like, I'm glad that like there's been progress, but like I said, at that point, everything I was doing served me well. Um, Mm -hmm. But at that point, to be honest, I didn't have like any good friends at all um, because like I wouldn't enable anyone to get far enough into my life because I thought it would detract from what I was doing. You know, I was so singularly focused and I would go for like three and four months without even talking to my parents, you know, and I'm very I'm very close with my parents. <laughs> so yeah. like I was, I was very far down the, um, the wormhole. And I think I got to a point when I really hated the, the writing part even because like I was so twisted up with the numbers of it that like, if I went out for a ride and like didn't hit the power number that like I wanted to, it was like my day was ruined. You know, it's like I'd had a shit day because of that. Didn't matter if the weather was great and like I'd been riding somewhere nice. It's like, no, the session wasn't right. So there were a lot of like very imbalanced things. <laughs> that yeah. I think um, like, I think if the 20 year old me met like the 30 year old me they'd probably be like disappointed that i hadn't gone and tried to win the tour de france or something and probably wouldn't understand like the way i go about riding now at all and that's fine <laughs> yeah dude the the 35 year old mike levy would want to beat up the 20 year old mike levy trust me so i think <laughs> yeah. i think a lot of people would would agree with that whether they're professional athletes or not you know that's just yeah yes yeah, yeah. Let's go back. You've left the team. You've left Garmin. How did that ride across Australia, the thereabouts ride with your brother Gus, come about? Man, I watched that. Yeah. And 
to me, that was like, it was just super eye-opening to see these like badass cyclists not giving a fuck wearing jean jackets, hammering their balls off across the desert. It was just, <laughs> it was different. It was different, you know? So anyways, right. how, how did that all come about? Um, basically like, you know, as like a professional, you go back to like wherever you're from, you go home and you get like two months of off season and generally you're trying to cram in like as much life as you can yeah. <laughs> in that one like bit. It's like you do all your living in two months, you know? Yeah. And like in the years before that, it basically just meant like you'd spend like a month like drinking and like partying too much and then working hard. You feel yeah. like shit and then like kind of start a month early back into training because you're just like, I can't. It's the like, circle, isn't it? Yeah. And I was just like, I'm not going to do that this year. Like I need to like do something different and worthwhile and like i just want to go and like get away from like everything that i'm, I'm doing with the rest of my life mm-hmm. and my brother was in like a similar spot working in sydney and i don't just in the we were kind of sitting around like drinking a few beers and then we're like let's just ride to the middle of australia like to the route. <laughs> let's do that um <laughs> And then within like a week, we were just on our way. And there wasn't much thought that went into it beyond that. The guy who filmed it was one of Gus's mates and he decided to come like the day before. Um, really? So it wasn't even like trailer. a super planned thing? No, like- no, no. It was, it was very much just like super, like we just went and did it. And we like, we weren't even, we're like, oh, we'll take a camera and like just film some stuff and maybe the next time we do something like this like someone will give us some tires or something <laughs> you know Dude, what I mean? isn't, like, it, isn't it funny um, that like that was just sort of like a a thing you guys did on a whim right look where yeah. it's led now with the, totally. the other thereabouts videos and these crazy adventures you've had and yeah it's like it it just taught me a lot like because until that point like bikes had just been like purely like a competition tool you know something that, like i was good at and like i used the bike to try and beat other people and like prove myself worth more than anything and then I, I did that ride and like we saw a whole bunch of new places and met like a whole bunch of new people and those like just those two things are something i'd never really done before on bikes and i kind of realized that like what I was experiencing was like a very small slither of it, right? And I was kind of like, well, I have this talent that like everyone tells you is supposed to be focused like one specific way, which in like road cycling is like trying to win the Tour de France or win a stage in the Tour de France or like just like it's all focused in this one small direction. And that wasn't really like, the narrative that I was buying into or like really vibed with at all. I kind of switched my focus from then, which like, I wish it was as simple as like, I'd switch my focus then and then immediately went onto this perfect other path that led me to where I am. But like, there was like two or three years there that were like very difficult for me because I was like very conflicted in, in what I was doing. Um, so like, I would kind of have this six month period of the year where I'd be very focused still on racing and then 
go and do something with gas for like two months. And then like, I just kind of felt like I was doing two things very separately. Yeah. And then finally I was able to like combine those two things with EF where I'm at now. And since like I've had that support to like kind of do the things that I, I want to, um, it's been like huge, you know, I can yeah. just kind of like actually pursue the things that I, I want to in, in cycling. So you've done those thereabouts trips across Australia, Eastern Europe. It was Macedonia, I think, and Colombia. Yeah. Which yeah. one was the hardest? <laughs> uh, Eastern Europe, for sure. We started really? Mentally in, or uh, physically? Uh, mentally. Why is that? Uh, we started in Albania and went to Kosovo and then through Macedonia to Greece and then through like Hungary into Turkey. And we like did not have our shit together <laughs> at all. And um it's half the fun. It, it was like oh man. And like it's a part of the world where it's definitely preferable that you have your shit together. Um, yeah. Because like there's a fine line for being uh adventurous and reckless and like we definitely trod that line the whole way on that trip which is stressful but a, a great trip for sure uh colombia may be physically the hardest because the crew we went there with like their goal was just to break us you know like you could tell from the second we got there like they were just like all right we're gonna break these two guys like and then it became this thing of like Gus and I were like, well, we know you're trying to break it, so we're not going to like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to give you anything, you know? You're so still like, racers, Lachlan, even when just you're not racing. Where, like, I know, I know. Like, I know I'm not going to let you get one over on me. So like, yeah, they would not tell us how long the rides were and then we'd stop for lunch and like have like a three-course meal and like thinking it was the end and like drink a couple of beers and they're like, oh, you got like another 120K and like three mountains to go. <laughs> be like, oh, shit. Hey, um, how, how long was that one climb? The big one? That lecherous one. That was like, it's something stupid. It's like 80Ks or something. It's like you go from sea level to like 4,200 meters or something. Good um, Lord. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's just comically long. It's really cool because you go through like so many ecosystems and like the thing is when you're in Colombia, like it's such a cool place that like you forget very quickly to how hard the riding is, you know, because it's just like it's just such a it's it's nice to be out your bike all day, you know, climbing mountains and doing whatever because you're like shit, yeah, this is Colombia. Everyone there like loves their country and like it's just it's just cool. Um, Even when you've climbed. 14,000 feet and you're black with coal dust, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You've really been run over by a few tramps. You're still just like, this is this Dude, is there was one point, was it you or your brother that passed and there was an oncoming truck in the opposite lane? Was that yeah, you? Yeah, I did that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that like I used to do on road bikes now that I'm just like, why would I uh, yeah. ever do that? Uh, I'm scared to ride on the road nowadays. You're thinking just, back like, to that terrifying. 20-year-old Lachlan on the world tour team. <laughs> totally, totally. That was definitely the intro, the medium, <laughs> medium yeah. period. Yeah. Occasionally, I'd still get competitive and be like, all right, try and follow me around this truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah. All right. We're going to uh, wind it back a little bit. I want to talk about Jelly Belly, Lachlan. So after racing Europe, you took a step back and then you made a comeback and you signed with US Jelly Belly team. It's a much smaller outfit than you had been with before, of course. I assume you yeah. took a pay cut, uh, but from what I gather, you look a whole lot happier, dude. So how how important were those days for you? Yeah, that was huge for me. It was like the perfect, it was the exact environment I needed at that time because before that, I kind of just felt like a bit of a cog in a wheel. Um, like a world tour team is, I think like 70 or 80 staff. So it's huge. And mm-hmm. with Jelly Belly, it was like two full-time staff and then like 10 riders. And like everyone was doing it just purely for the love of it. You know, yeah. there wasn't anyone really making any money. Um, it was like, let's just go race bikes and sleep on the floor of host houses and like race as fast as we can. And because it was just one group of riders, we all became really good friends. Uh, and Danny Van Hout and Matty Rice, who like run the team, they just became like family. So it was... It felt like I was like twelve year old kid again, like just getting into racing bikes, and there was no, there was no obligation to do it unless you wanted to do it, you know. Um, so I had to just make that decision for myself to be like, okay, well, it's not like I'm making a bunch of money here, so it's a big reason to be like, okay, I need to keep racing, or like, it was just purely like, all right, if you want to do it, we can go do it, and. It made me realize I was like, you know, I actually really want to do it just on my own terms. And the because it was like a smaller race calendar, it kind of enabled me to like do things I wanted to do outside of racing while still focus on like some races every year. So, yeah, I'm like hugely grateful for my time there because honestly, I thought I went when I joined the team. I thought I would race with them for a year and then just stop cycling. I thought it would be like my year to like transition into the real world. (laughs) Um, And then in that first year, I just like really fell in love with it again and realized I was like, you know what? I still have like a competitive spirit in me. (laughs) Like there's still part of me that wants to race, but for no other reason than just wanting to be out there racing and like if i didn't win it wasn't like end of the world you know uh, yeah and the way i could go about training and riding in general I, I had a lot more i felt like i had a lot more control over so it just really it worked out and in the end i think like of all the of all my years racing my second year jelly belly i think i was the best you know, i've ever been because I, I just mentally was in like a really good place. Dude, you know what I rewatched yesterday, actually? Stage seven of the Tour of Utah. <laughs> Park City. Yes. It's a good yes. one. Though. Dude, that was yeah. so good. I got it, goosebumps thinking about that. That was so good. <laughs> it's funny because I was very aware at the time. Because like my mom, dad, wife were at the finish line. My brother was in the race with me on my team. Yeah. Um, and like you descend from Empire Path all the way down to Park City for like 10K or something at the finish. And like, and so the whole time I came down, I knew I'd won it. 
So I had all that time to like think. Yeah. And it was one of those really rare moments where I, I like had the presence of mind and realized I was like, this is going to be the best win I ever have. It looks special. Yeah. Well, I, I just knew because I was like, my family's here. We were like massively underdogs. Everyone thought I was done. And it just like the people who were involved, like, the, like I said, with the team, it was just very special. And I was like, you know, I could win a stage of the Tour de France now after this. And I know it won't feel like as good as this, um, which was nice to like, just know that, you know, cause it almost filled that like part of me that was like trying to prove something in a, in a bike race. I feel like whatever happened that day, I, that part of me was like fulfilled. So yeah, that, I, it's like, it's funny because a lot of the other wins or like well up until that point all the wins i'd had before you kind of enjoy them for like two or three months and then like after that they become your enemy yeah. in a way because you're like shit that's like the benchmark now you know that's what everyone expects so you like you're constantly trying to get back to like like oh that prick who won that race it's almost like you're a different person um yeah. whereas i have none of that feeling for that whole yeah. week that's which is cool Cyclists, especially the good ones, like I, we both know lots of very fit professional racers. And I mean, I, I love them all, but like, you know what else? A lot of them are basket cases. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, why, why do you think that I is? I think like, well, I just think it like it requires like a very special personality to thrive in such a high pressure environment you know, such a high performing environment. I think like to do it consistently, you have to be like, A, you have to be very physically gifted, but that's not nearly enough. Like you have to, there has to be something in you that's trying to prove something or like wants it more than someone else. I I honestly like, I think for everyone, it's something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like if you go to like a, or you hang out on like a world to a team bus and like you're all fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the staff are crazy. Like yeah. they're on the road for 200 days a year. Like we're all crazy, which is, I guess it's cool in a lot of ways. But I think like there's, there is also like a, there's, is a tipping point. Do you know? And I think like I've met like lots of guys and like have a lot of friends who are able to perform really well and still be great people mm-hmm. uh, but i've also met a lot of people who in order to perform well aren't good people you yeah. know um and i think like a lot of the time i i personally was in the second group so i mean i i think like anything that requires so much of you <laughs> um so consistently day in day out because like i said it's a 24-hour job it'll it'll bring everything out in you and if those things don't work for what you're trying to do then you know you'll lose those things and change those things to become what it is you're trying to trying to be yeah um so like i could say like i'm spending maybe 110 days on on the road in a team environment a year when i was racing like a proper season and you're never quite fully yourself, right? Because you're like trying to play a role or whatever it is. 
But if you play that role for like half the year, third of the year, you just become that person, you know? I think now I'm lucky to be in the environment when I go to a race, I can just be myself. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's true for a lot of, not even cyclists, just athletes, you know? Um, Like you essentially trying to play this role and, and that's who you become. So you either have to be really happy with what that role is or just happy to give up the person you are to become it. Um, so I don't think it's like, it's not surprising to me that like really high performers aren't always necessarily the greatest people. It's not a requirement by any means, but it just often comes hand in hand, I think. Right now, today, would you trade all of your stories and all of your adventures and your experiences that you've had for a a Tour de France overall win? <laughs> no. No, okay. I no. didn't think so. Uh, like, but to be honest, that's not something, like, it's taken a long time for me to get there. I bet if you asked me two years ago, even, I still would have been like, I would have to think about it. And last year, I got to watch the Tour finish in Paris. And, like, watching from the sideline, there was this weird part of me that was just like, I just should be out there, you know, like it was bizarre to be on the other side of the barriers, but that quickly like dissipated when I left. But um, no, I wouldn't trade it. Like I would still love to race the Tour de France, but that's still this one weird ego part of me that just wants to be able to like, when the guy you sit next down to, like sit down next to on the plane asks, if you've ridden it because <laughs> like inevitably yeah. people ask that they're like what do you do for a living i ride road bikes they're like have you ridden the tour de france and the second you say no they assume it's just a hobby <laughs> you know? yeah. like, immediately they're just, just start like, saying yes <laughs> okay yeah and then they tell you they're like ah oh, yeah i have a cousin who rides bikes and then they you're just in that same category you know yeah which like exactly. i shouldn't care about but there's still this one weird ego thing it just wants to be able to say yeah i've ridden it because it's like, yeah. you can tell them, oh, I've ridden the Tour of Spain and the Tour of Italy. And they're like, I don't get They shit. don't know <laughs> you know, they're like, did you, did you or did you not race the Tour? Yeah, um, exactly. And they're like, that's all I care. Um, yeah. So for that reason, I would, I would still love to do it. Um, but yeah, I also know now the way the sport is, that would require me giving up like every other goal for a whole year. To just just yeah. just to compete, um, which I don't think I'm in a place that I'm willing to do that. You know, there's still so many other things that like I'd like to do in riding that yeah, I just can't give a whole year up to go race around France for three weeks. <laughs> I just want to say that I think that's pretty interesting and amazing too. That like you 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 probably could get on the tour team and do the things. But you've made a conscious decision to be like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> Where I think a lot of other people without your experiences, without your perspective, but also with that fitness and with that opportunity would be like, hell yeah, like let's do it. But you know better. Like you know that's not for you. You know, you know that's not going to bring out maybe the best in you or whatever. And I, I mean, 20-year-old Mike would never make that right decision. That's for sure. I don't know if 30 or 40 year old bike would either, but it's cool to see you guys, you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I, I mean, I'm I'm happier than I've ever been. Uh, I guess just as a person, and and especially when I'm writing. So there's no way I would jeopardize that. You know, for that's amazing. Yeah, a that's little cool. bit of an ego here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we should also mention, though, like you are still racing your balls off all the time, especially like before you did the alt tour, your ride around France, you were doing a bunch of races, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I still race a fair bit. I still enjoy road racing. Uh, I think I enjoy it more now that it's not all I do. So I can kind of like come into the team environment and like the high pressure and the high performance element is actually like exciting and just like the speed of of world tour racing now like it's it's fun you know it's really hard but it's fun and i think that's because it's i also know that like i'm gonna go home a week later and just ride my mountain bike and maybe do a mountain bike race or you know like something i know that like it's not all i do so that makes it fun Um, you don't need to go home and weigh your food you can go home and do some skids (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so yeah it kind of works out now I seem like in the first half of the year I do more road racing, uh, and then in the second half of the year I kind of tend to just like end up doing other things. That's how it's worked out the last few years, uh, and it's easier that way because like I can make sure at the start of the year I'm like, okay, I need to ride my road bike and uh, <laughs> make sure I'm race ready, do uh, work things, and then yeah, yeah, yeah a little yeah. bit. But I, yeah. I still enjoy that process a bit. It's not like a obligation. Um, yeah. There's that obligation word before when it's not the obligation. Yeah. I, I'm honestly, I'm just like, can I, I'll ask the team, but can I go do some road races? Uh, or like at the moment, I'm like, I'm in Europe. And so I'm like, I just put my hand on like any race that you need someone to send me because I'm here. Like, yeah, I'm happy to go race. So it's not like, uh, yeah, being forced. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think anyone really cares if I go do any road races, just me. So, like, it's, yeah. it's great. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm like still, because it's very much a team sport and I like being part of the team. And when I turn up to a race, I never want to be like the person who's letting people down because um, you're not at the level or can't do the job. So I still take it, I take it seriously when I'm at the race, you know what I mean? Um, Because like you have to, but my approach outside of that is vastly different. I'd argue that you're, you're probably more important to your team and more recognizable. And what you're doing means more to more riders than if you were just racing Lachlan. I'm curious if your teammates and friends... Were they like, like, what the fuck is this guy doing at first? <laughs> but are they, are they yeah. kind of jealous now? Yeah, I think um, initially, like, I remember having the conversation with uh, my wife, actually. And there was, like, this opportunity to go and race with EF and, like, do this alternate calendar. And it was like, okay, there's the risk that, like, it doesn't work. And then I'm pigeonholed as, like someone who's not a serious road racer and then like that's the end of my career you know but i was kind of like well this is the only chance i'm going to have to combine like the two things that i really want to do so i just like jumped at it and yeah initially 
it wasn't that I just didn't think people understood what we were trying to do and there was like a core group of us like within the team who really believed in the like concept of it um but it was sort of up to us to prove it a bit so to be honest it wasn't that I just don't think anyone took notice initially within the scene. I don't think anyone cared. You know? um, whereas like, it's nice now because it's like, it seems like more of the stuff that I'm doing is interesting to the other writers like on the team, which is cool because it kind of shows them that like there is space to kind of explore their own path a bit um, and maybe get involved and that they can, potentially do things outside of just riding their bike really really fast on the road but even if it's not that you know even if they're just somewhat interested it's nice and there's i don't think it's i think it's jealousy but there's definitely more respect than there was initially maybe yeah i think when you're a when you're a professional world tour cyclist it's easy to forget that the rest of the world like there's there's a whole lot more things going on in bikes besides tight lycra and intervals and the tour de france you know and it's i mean obviously you have to be focused on that if you're if you're trying to win a stage if you're just trying to do the damn thing but it is easy to forget that the rest of the world likes riding bikes too and like those trips that you're doing those are just as interesting or way more interesting to a lot of people than you know what your what your teammates are doing sometimes at races have any of them wanted to come like is are you going to get rigo on a bike packing tour here or something yeah <laughs> i don't think we'll get rigo on bike maybe uh base miles no i think there's definitely there's more interested like people like i think the competitive like a lot of people will say want to go to unbound now whereas yeah. Two years ago, everyone was like, oh, that's stupid. It's like this big, long gravel race, right? Whereas now people are like, oh, yeah, I'd actually like to go do that. And I mean, from my personal, like the the biggest contribution I can have to cycling is not through coming like 30th at the Tour of Switzerland. You know, Um, it's by trying to explore like the way to combine like world tour racing with the rest of cycling like that's kind of how i see my role now and I'm, i'd much rather chase that than chase like getting two percent better on a road bike so that's not necessarily like a point that i think like it's always going to be hard for people who are in professional cycling now um, and grew up in the way it is to like make that transition but i think you already see now with younger people coming in, they're much more open to like different disciplines, you know, different events. And like, yeah, like you said, the world of cycling outside of just men's professional racing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I think like my hope is that like that kind of paves the way for like a, a next generation to be, able to like see slightly outside of the lane uh, of yeah. just getting faster right now everybody's listening and they're like when are these two assholes going to talk about mountain bikes but <laughs> we're going to talk about gravel bikes for a minute everybody first okay you mentioned unbound how yeah. often are you on a gravel bike versus a road bike these days uh okay so i don't have a road bike 
I haven't had a road bike for wait, 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 wait. What? six months. You don't uh, have a road bike? No. So after I did the alternate tour thing, I gave the bike I was using to back to Cannondale so they could auction it. Uh, <laughs> and then I flew to America and I never had a road bike since. Were you like, that's it. I'm fucking done. That's I'm enough done. road bikes. No, to be honest, I didn't. I didn't. Like there was a road, I could have got a road bike. There was one yeah. here, like if I really wanted it. But at the time I was like, I just did a really big road ride. <laughs> like I need to do that um, for a little while. So I generally, like even before that, I would probably ride my gravel bike more than my road bike. But think, yes, yeah, I, I would. I'd ride my gravel bike more than my road bike. We should probably talk about the alt tour for a few minutes because it was okay. pretty, pretty gnarly. Yeah. Mentally, how would you compare that to some of the stage races you've done? Um, it's very different yeah. uh, because it's on your own terms. So, which is harder or easier though? I find it easier. Okay. Um, because you kind of control everything that happens in a way. Uh, everything that is controllable. <laughs> so yeah. you get to dictate how fast you're riding, how long you're going, like where you're sleeping. Whereas in a in a race, like if the race goes really hard from the beginning and you feel like shit to start with, like you have to keep up still, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it was harder and just the sheer like toll on the body. Because you're riding like more than twice the time, at least each day. And there's not like an army of people putting you back together again every yeah. night, you know, yeah. with like massage and Cairo and the chef and all the stuff that like enables you to race really hard. Uh, not having any of that, like it just means your body just gets destroyed. So... In that sense, it was harder, but it's almost just not not comparable. And I think because I enjoy like just going doing massive rides by myself, mm -hmm. I'm always going to tend towards saying that like the for me, like going to ride the old tour would be easier than riding the real tour. But there's a lot of guys who race the tour who would never in their wildest dreams go and do that. So. Yeah, I, I honestly, I had a great time doing it. It wasn't like, uh, it was very hard for sure, but like um, it was something that like, it's just like right in my lane, do you know? So I was having an absolute uh, blast. From my perspective, it was pretty neat to see things go wrong. Like you got <laughs> fucking rained on. And then oh, yeah. I'll also say it was, Neat to me to see things go wrong. Like you messed your cleats up. Like you made a mistake. You didn't tighten your oh, cleats totally. and they moved. And people don't see those things. Like we don't think about those things with professional cyclists. So to see that and then for you to be like, well, I mean, I got a long way to go. But like I said, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like a lot of ultra cycling is just problem solving. Exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, um, which is why I enjoy it mentally because like, there's so much more going on than just like pedal, 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 pedal. You know, like you're trying to work out like where to get food, where am I going to sleep? Like, you know, I need to find water somewhere. 
my knee hurts, you know, like all this stuff like that you just don't have to think about outside of an event like that. Um, yeah. So the the riding becomes like very simple. Like when we got air in the tires and like food in your stomach and like yeah. going down the road, you're like happy days, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, you don't have to think about the brake or the headwind or whatever, you know, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Like the, yeah, like when you're riding, that just becomes like, okay, that's like, that's like sitting on the couch at home. You know what yeah. I mean? And then yeah. like something happens, like, oh, okay, I gotta get up and go change the channel. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> varying degrees of like it looked a bit harder than that, let's that. be honest. Yeah, I know, but it's like that's kind of the mental state you get into. Like riding is just the norm. And then you're like, okay, I got a hill. And then like that yeah. takes you from the couch, you know, yeah. to like wherever. So yeah, it's it's a, a totally you can't like heaps of people ask me about something like that compared to racing and it's just like it's different you know yeah. it's not it's not the same sport um, and the experience is so so vastly different that uh, i'm like i don't like to try and compare them yeah fair enough all right let's talk mountain bikes i feel like we should probably yeah. do that before i get in trouble how often mm -hmm. are you riding a mountain bike and what what kind of mountain bike do you ride um i ride my mountain bike by far the most of all my bikes now I probably well up until the last six months that's all I rode um, except for my gravel bike once or twice but yeah I definitely gravitate towards mountain biking now um, and I ride most days I ride just the scalpel mm -hmm. um, so like 100 mil yep. cross country bike and then in Colorado I also have like a habit which is oh, yeah. 140 mil for when you go send it, um, eh? Yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it took me like a very long time to get to the point when I realized I was like, oh, this the bike I'm using is not enough. You know what I mean? Like, cause yeah. I feel like cross country bikes are very capable now. They um, are. Yeah. And like, I was starting from being just totally a road rider, I had no background in mountain biking. And then I finally got to a point where I was like, I think I need a bigger bike. Like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you turn uh, over a leaf, Lachlan Morton, free rider. Yeah, right. And then like uh, a mate of mine, Taylor, he dragged me to a bike park in Winter Park last year. And I was always like, oh, why don't you just catch like the chairlift? I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be into this. And then I just... <laughs> I just stayed for like five, four days. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this I, is, this I is just want to say great. that like, <laughs> I'm just picturing myself at this bike park and then like I'm riding the chairlift and Lachlan Morton and Taylor Finney pass me on the chairlift. I'm just, I'm like, what universe <laughs> is this? What's going on? I know, right? <laughs> when worlds collide. Got, like running shorts on and sort of like knee pads that are way too big for me. <laughs> but I'm looking at you being like, who is that noob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly got like a pink road pop helmet on yeah yeah um, yeah that's me that that would be me nice. <laughs> yeah i don't know I, I i really love mountain biking it's i feel like a kid now again because it's like it's like a whole new world and even just like for example here in girona it's like it's almost like this alternate world that exists like right next to all the roads you've ridden for like five years and then you're like mm -hmm. oh man there's this huge trail network here and 
it's a very different community, um, which I enjoy. Like I feel like probably it's very, very um, different. <laughs> yeah, it's very like open and like welcoming. Even in the race Relaxed. community, everyone's like just yeah. like hanging out a lot more, um, which I like. Um, and I also really enjoy being away from cars and traffic. Yeah. Um, so I find it hard to like, like I, I always had the option to ride whatever bike I want basically any day. And I'd find it very hard to like, um, get on another bike than my mountain bike now. Um, and you've done your time in traffic, cool. you know, you've done, yeah, your time done my road. time. You've suffered enough. Enjoy some fucking single track. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's also just nice to like progress. Yeah. You know? Um, like I spent so many years getting to like a really high level on a road bike and then you put in the same amount of effort to stay there mm-hmm. um, and just be as good as you're you, looking for like the tiniest gain when you're a world tour rider, like the littlest exactly. gain, <laughs> the littlest gain. And it's always the most annoying, stupid thing, yeah. you know, like every year there's something new. And like everyone's like, this is the little game, you know, whatever it is. We're all drinking like beetroot juice or like yeah. some stupid little thing. Yeah. And then you're like, God, are we really doing this? You're like, I'm an adult. Um, and you do it because you have to. But with mountain biking, it's like, I feel like every single time I ride it, I get a, a bit better. And yeah. there's so, I feel like I could do that for the rest of my life and still be half as good as like so many people, you know? Um, <laughs> That's how I feel too. <laughs> I also love the fact that like every time you go mountain biking, you see some just random shredder, you know? And yeah. you're just like, you are so good. Like, who are you? Like, I'm just, I feel like I'm surrounded by athletes who are like, definitely very good at what they do but it's very, it's not very exciting you know what i mean like you just like you're very fit yeah <laughs> you know, congratulations you you're good at exercising fast. you can turn pedals like really hard yeah yeah and then you're like you're you're like a famous athlete right like yeah. people know you and then you're like i'm way more impressed with the like dad shredder who's just out sending like <laughs> these gnarly trails like at yeah. the back of girona and you're like I have absolutely no idea who you are. You probably just finished like work for like 20 minutes ago. Like, you know, every town so cool. has some, some <laughs> somebody that wears jean shorts and a t-shirt and no gloves and rides a six-year-old bike and he just sends it. But, you know, that also reminds me of like you and your brother trucking down a road, like sitting at 400 watts wearing like a jean jacket and a bandana. And like, if I saw that, I would be like, who are these guys? You know, it's the same thing. (laughs) Especially in the middle of Australia. (laughs) Those people were probably like, like, who "Who are these people? (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah, I guess. I guess it just depends on your background a bit. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's talk about mountain bikes for a few more minutes. I want to hit on the Cocopelli Trail. You had the fastest known time for a while. Cocopelli runs from Moab to Fruta, Colorado. It's 143 miles. Most people do this in three days. Lachlan, how long did it take you? Oh, shit. Uh, 11 hours? Jesus. Was it 11 hours? Yeah. 11, 12 hours? Something around there. Uh, half a day. 
How was that experience? Uh, it was fun. Yeah, super fun. It was during uh, like the height of the pandemic. Yeah. So I was just trying to things that I, like find things that I could go and do. And like I live in Boulder. So I was like, I could just drive down to Moab and just do this thing. And like go with my brother and my dad. And, uh, easy. So yeah, that's what I did. And it was super fun. Like it's a, it's just a good day out, you know? It's got like a bit of everything that trail. Um, I broke my wheel halfway around, which was a bit of a pain. Um, yeah. But apart from that, it went pretty smooth. Like I just, I think I like took six paydays and just got on with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like that was, it, 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 that's a, a cool trail. Uh, I'd love to go back and do it in three days. I think to do it in three days would be like that's the way to do it. The, yeah, that's the way to do it. I would, yeah. I would suggest, yeah, probably sticking to that. But yeah, you can you can do it if you go if you want. Do you have any plans to go back and retake that FKT? Uh not at all. Um, I kind of like I knew when I did it, I was like I left a lot of time out there, um, but I think like. It's not about owning a record, you know? It's just kind of like you contribute to it, you can push that bar a little bit and then someone else can be like, oh, you know what, I can have a crack at that. And it just kind of, I don't like this idea of you're like, okay, I'm going to try and like put it out of reach. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then you're like, plus Kurt took it back off me and he's a, a he, he definitely deserves to have it more than I do. Uh, he's done a lot more than that. Yeah community like he's if anyone should have it it's him so and that, i think pete has it now pete Stet. yeah so like that's kind of motivation to go do it because i don't feel like pete's the guy who should have it <laughs> no offense to pete but like not a great mountain biker um he's fast it's a fighting words like, lachlan <laughs> sounds like you're talking yourself into going to take this thing let's keep talking no, about no, it no, you're no. gonna do it in a i week. feel like a legitimate mountain biker should have it not me like not peak to someone who like, you know. Yeah. So so someone should go do it. <laughs> yeah. It's not me. What did you what did you think of Leadville? You raced Leadville in 2019. You finished third at your first try at this thing. I mean it, it's at like what is it, like ten or twelve thousand feet out of super know. high. Something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of it? It's fun. It's really fun. Um it's cool because it's like it's right in the middle of a road race and a mountain bike race. Yeah. Um, like 75% of the time you'd wish you were on like a gravel bike probably, but then the other 25% you're definitely happy to be on a mountain bike. And that's in that 25% is where the race actually happens. So it's just an interesting dynamic, you know, cause like you have like a bunch of different athletes all trying to win this one kind of weird hybrid race yeah. um so it's not one of those races that you ever like out there being like this is a bunch of fun no, <laughs> you know because it's that. like <laughs> there's not much oxygen like it's not like a bunch of flowy single tracks just kind of like these rocky like uh jeep roads and then like yeah. big open gravel roads it's like it's very specific to just Leadville. Um, but the exciting thing about it is just like the race itself, the way it plays out and like yeah, the way you try and 
you know, play your best card. Um, so it, it's a definitely a really cool event. Um, yeah. I'd love to try and win that one one day, you know? Yeah. It's just like, it's right up my alley. Um, and it's just like such a, I think it'd be a very cool feeling to like come into Leadville, like how big of an event it is just in that one small town that like as the winner, I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so for those people listening that race mountain bikes, how would you compare like a, a cross country race? I mean, Leadville obviously is not a normal cross country race, but how would you compare like a mountain bike race to a, a single day road race? Would you say the mountain race like is more intense, is harder or for a shorter period of time? From the outside, it looks like that, but how would you put it? Yeah, I think uh, in my experience with mountain biking is you just start really hard and then you just keep going really hard until, <laughs> until you like, blow up. Yeah, until you blow up and someone keeps going. And like, I kind of enjoyed that uh, style of racing because um, it's very fair. Yeah. Like, it's not like road racing, is very, there's a lot of waiting, it's a lot of tactics. Uh, it's a little team strategy and it's just a lot more complicated Mm -hmm. Um, but mountain bike racing definitely more intense but also more engaging because you're kind of like focused on where you're riding constantly reading the trail and Mm -hmm. um, also going as hard as you can Um, whereas yeah road racing is like it's kind of decided in like very specific moments so like a certain climb, you need to be able to produce a certain amount of power to like make this group. And then, um, you know, you wait, kind of conserve energy and there's another specific moment. Uh, yeah. So yeah, very different. And then I guess gravel racing is probably somewhere in between those two things. Yeah. Um, Cause they're long enough that like the races just sort of play out a lot more, but you have to have some ability to like conserve energy and, and play a tactic you know all right Lachlan we're gonna wrap this up but first what do you got cooking for 2022 do you got some big adventures are you gonna do some more mountain bike racing what's going on uh I've got like a bit of everything this year um I'm gonna be back on the road uh early this year mixing it with like some mountain bike racing here in Europe uh and I'm gonna be doing the lifetime series in the states um which is a bit of gravel and mountain bike um, that's kansas isn't it lifetime yeah. yeah yeah uh and then i have some big stupid adventure i've got like a few ideas <laughs> yeah, I, bet do. I don't know don't know which one i'll be doing but there'll be some big dumb thing yeah <laughs> that i'll go do yeah i'm not sure if i can do um so yeah that's that's what i'll be up to just mainly just bikes of all kind I am looking forward to seeing your adventure. Thanks for your time. Uh, stay safe out there. Keep riding mountain bikes. We'll talk again at some point in the future. Jeez, man. Thanks for the chat. Bye.